The Thundermen have been brought before an Unbroken Chain Tribunal. They need to prove that they are worthy of membership or they will lose the chance to win the group's help in the upcoming war. Winning them over might be tricky, especially since the head of the tribunal is Argo's nemesis. You know what they say, if at first you don't succeed, try tribunal again. We listen to episode 22 of Chaz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your host and producer, PJ. And with me as always is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hi! Lauren, what did you think of this episode? I was so stressed out. I mean, This we, was a wild one. Oh, so much happened. Even though essentially it was just like a court case. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And the whole Commodore being there was just insane. Yeah, and honestly, I'm kind of glad this doesn't, they didn't drag this out over several sessions. Oh, yeah, 100%. It was so high impact, high stress that I was like, I'm glad I don't have to wait another week to see where this goes. Yeah, at least we have the outcome of the tribunal here and now, and then we can move on to the rest of our problems afterwards. But we're talking enough about the outcome without uh, saying what happened. So let's get into it so that we uh, can see what leads to that nonsense. Yeah. The Commodore, Marie, and Mosh are all seated in front of our boys while the rest of the members of the Unbroken Chain are hooded and standing behind them. The Fearbogen Argo can't tell who anyone is, but because Fitzroy was essentially awake the whole time, unbeknownst to the Unbroken Chain, he's able to identify everyone. Jackal is here, so is Sabor. Dakota, who we know is in charge of social graces and drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ramos, who we know is in charge of shieldwork, and Crabtree, who is our in charge of artificing. The Commodore settles, saying that he thinks this is a pretty open and shut case and shouldn't take too long, to which Fitzroy objects. <laughs> the Fear Bulk seconds the objection, and Argo thirds it, and the Commodore reminds him that this isn't a trial, it's a tribunal. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They will ask the boys questions, other people will speak, and then they will make a decision. Basically, there's no jury, and there aren't any laws to uphold. And I was like, hmm. I don't like you being in charge of that, bud. Right? I was like, already I was uncomfortable with you being the one who's like making the final decision, but this makes me feel even worse. Yeah. Fitzroy continues to use court jargon, <laughs> such as treating the witnesses hostile and approaching the bench. For the Commodore <laughs> asked Mosh to take over since it is his chapter. So it's Mosh's chapter, but I thought Jackal had been there longer. Yeah, it's interesting because Jackal brought in Mosh, didn't he? Or am I yeah. rem- misremembering that? No, you are not misremembering that. Oh, that no, 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 no. Jackal recused himself because of his closeness to Argo. So ordinarily, this is Jackal's, Jackal's chapter? Jackal's chapter. Okay. But I just think he means like, you're the unbroken chain here. I'm just the unbroken chain everywhere. Ugh, I don't like that at all. Mosh allows the boys to introduce themselves and to tell the unbroken chain things they need to know about them. Argo, being a current member, starts. He finds it a great honor to have been asked to join the Unbroken Chain, and he supported them and embraced what they stood for. And he completed his mission they gave him, but the circumstances have changed since he joined. We move on to Fitzroy, who has outrageous magical powers, a righteous tood, and is a student doing okay in some of their classes. <laughs> and he seems apologetic that he hasn't spent more time with Sabor, who is hooded, which causes a bit of a stir with the other members. Fitzroy apologizes, saying he feels they aren't on equal playing field, so he names all of the hooded figures, embracing full honesty. And I was like, oh, dang! Right? Man, already Fitzroy is just, like, coming in hot. Fitzroy, this entire episode is like, yeah, I'm right, you're wrong, and you just need to accept that I am, I am the captain now. <laughs> I am 
Look at me. Look at me. I am the captain now. Because he, at no point in this, does he ever, like, submit to the will of the court type of thing. No. He's, like, on one the entire episode. The entire time. He is, like, like one of those rocks in the middle of a river where he's having everything else move around him. And he is yeah. just keeping his place. I was here for it. Oh, because... I loved it. I oh, loved yeah. it. Yeah, I felt the exact same way that he did. But there were some times where I was like, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> he does continue to say he's trying to put together a group to fight against someone who is bad, but obviously keeps it vague because he doesn't know who's on what side. Mosh mm-hmm. says Sabor already told the Unbroken Chain about the impending war, so they are all aware of that information and we move on to the Fearbolg. After some general questions, if he will defend himself, the Fearbolg elaborates that he's a Fearbolg who is trying to join a secret organization and is done with his statement. <laughs> Uh, I mean, clearly he's like uneasy about the fact that he's going to have to lie. But I just love like he's like, I am a fear bug. I'm trying to join this organization. End of statement. (laughs) Yeah. No, you can tell that he was considering other things to say. But as soon as he (laughs) brought up the secret organization part, he instantly connected how much of a disaster this was going to be. It's just like, okay, I'm done. Thank you. I love it. It's so funny. Jackal steps forward, suggesting the boys speak about each other since they are such a tight-knit group. And Mosh agrees it might be more objective. So they go down the line again, now inviting Argo to talk about Master Fearbulg. Argo says that the Fearbulg personifies honesty, sometimes to a detriment, but he hates subterfuge and lies. At this point, everyone agrees that those aren't great reasons to induct the Fearbulg. Yeah. And Justin himself, again, comments on how Argo can lie, which we kind of got last episode where uh, when Griffin was like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought Fearbulg was the one who could lie. Exactly. Argo has the capability to do it. But like we discussed last episode, Clint and Argo are both are done, done with the lies. They're done. They're trying to be upfront and honest with everything now. Argo continues that you want someone like the Fearbug on your side to have someone whose word you can totally trust. That the Fearbug makes everyone better because he considers other people before himself. And he's just a good dude, which I would agree with all of those things. Yes, absolutely. Argo continues to stumble and stagger through clumsy explanations as to why they'd want such a truth-centric character in the secret organization, but (laughs) Mosh does eventually cut him off. Yeah. Argo rolls a 16 on his persuasion check, so there's some agreement, and he feels he may have won some people over in their regard to the Fearbolg. I like that even though this is a very roleplay-heavy session, Travis still brings in the Dungeons & Dragons elements into it. There's no way you can do a court case without rolls. That'd be insane that would be wild master fearbug is asked to tell everyone he thinks of fitzroy maple court much to fitzroy's excitement <laughs> the fearbug talks about how both he and argo decided to follow fitzroy as their leader for the thunderman llc that he's dependable motivated results oriented and the kind of leader one could only dream of that is so sweet yeah i mean geez i wish anyone would say that about me <laughs> i mean same but that also is very heartbreaking because what kind of leadership did the Fearbulk have before this? None, because he was in a Fearbulk society. Oh, that's true. So this is his first time yeah. with it. And I guess, I guess as a first leader, Fitzroy's very direct about what he wants. Yeah. Sometimes Fitz has challenges and his spells don't go the way he plans, but everyone struggles here and there. Travis rightfully gives just an advantage on his role, and he gets mm-hmm. a 15, so he also persuaded some of the members. Fitzroy is then asked to talk about Argo. Fitzroy stands up, casting enhanced ability to give himself advantage on charisma checks, and I was like, the audacity. <laughs> I thought it was a brilliant move. I was like, uh, I know, but you. it's still the audacity. 
did you get the impression that he did it stealthily or do you think he was just all out i cast this on myself end of story i mean you don't even i mean i don't think he was stealthy about it but i mean there's nothing about enhanced ability that says you have to be like i am enhancing my abilities now (laughs) that's true uh, and he does an incredible impression of the, you know, of a small town southern lawyer. And you can imagine that I am pulling up my uh, suspenders as I say that. I 100% imagine that. According to Fitzroy, Argo is a bad rogue because he is not as malicious as a rogue should be. And that he is entitled to some malice based on some betrayals he's experienced in the past. And he looks right at the Commodore as he says it. Oh my god. I was god. like, D, the audacity. <laughs> Who has rakish audacity here? Is it Argo or is it Fitzroy? Because, (laughs) oh my God. The Commodore does react slightly. Uh, The first time we've seen his veneer break to reveal some rage, Mm -hmm. which is so different from the larger than life action hero we've seen thus far. Yeah, that was was nice to get to see that Fitzroy is getting under his skin. Fitzroy continues to say that looking at the Thunderman, you'd assume that the rogue would be the master villain, but the opposite is true because he's never known a more heroic person than Argo. He claims that this trial is a sham and that the fact that the Unbroken Chain is trying to thwart the Thundermen and their efforts against this apocalyptic foe makes him think they don't fully understand what they're up against. And I was like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're, worried, about, you're worried about tradition and practice in the face of like certain doom. Yeah, in the face of possible annihilation. Yeah, but if any of them try to touch a hair on Argo's head, he'll explode the room, which he doesn't know how he'd accomplish, but he'd do it. I was very touched by this. Because Argo and Fitzroy have had such a tumultuous relationship and to the have it like kind of come to this point where both of them are defending each other, basically to the death or yeah. to the end of their memories if this doesn't succeed, was so heartwarming. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's such yeah. a obviously shift from earlier episodes when he didn't trust Argo, but Argo was you know, in a very similar place of like, I will like literally not let you harm Fitzroy. And it's good to see them on that same playing field. Yeah. Fitzroy rolls a dang solid 25. He sure does. Which is the DC for nearly impossible rolls. Is it really? Yeah. There's a, in the like DMs guide, like there's like a like, hey, if you don't know how to set a DC, like here's how you do it. And I mean, 30 is for impossible rolls is like okay. the DC. 25 is like nearly impossible. It just goes down from there, right? Like kind of where you think it would be. 25 is like the like suggested DC for, yeah, there's almost no way this is going to succeed type of rolls. But obviously, I don't even think this was that. But dang, that's a high ass roll. It was a very high roll. Uh, heck, it's so high that everyone's necks pop as they uh, nod so enthusiastically <laughs> as they agree. <laughs> Which was... I mean, I get it because sometimes my neck pops too, but that was a gross <laughs> sound to have in my head of all of these necks oh, popping. God. Like, have you ever heard like just teeth chattering before? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I'm not, oh. I don't have, I forget what that thing is called. That, that like mental thing where certain noises like instill rage in you. Oh, it's rage? Yeah, it's rage or disgust. Okay, I think I'm on the disgust part. Because one of our friends uh, has it, and it's come up before. I just watched a super interesting video on film theory about how the Grinch has it, and that's why he hates Christmas so much. Oh my god, that's so sad. Uh, I'll, I'll link it to you. It's super, it's super interesting. Oh, my poor little son. <laughs> my, my poor little much older than me son. <laughs> Listen, fandom doesn't make sense. It's, they're always your children, even if they're like decades older than you. Oh, God. 
The Fearbug does ask if he could say something on his behalf, which the Commodore allows. The Fearbug reiterates that it is true that the Fearbugs cannot lie, and he can't offer to lie for them, but he can offer silence if he's ever questioned. Marie mentions that they're aware of the Fearbug's inability to lie, and they have an artificer, so they might be able to offer something, but his concerns will be taken into account. And I was like, ooh, interesting, like a lying device? Right? I was like, I wonder what, because my brain instantly went through like all the different mechanics of D&D and like what they could craft. I couldn't come up with anything on the offset except maybe a silence spell. If he... Well, I don't even think, well, if you want, because silence is just silence, right? Right. But I think if you want him to lie for you, it could be like a, a helmet of self-command or something like that. Where anytime you are questioned and have to lie, you have like a helmet or a bracer or something where if you like touch the runes on it, it immediately casts command on you and forces you to lie or something like that. I don't know. Ooh, that would be super cool. That's just where my brain went with like what that could be. Obviously, if I had more time, I'd come up with something better than that. I think that's pretty good. So I don't know if you need to come up with something better. (laughs) Uh, she does want to address Fitzroy, saying she treated the students after the human shield training, and his chaotic powers injured them and some teachers. And he isn't a paragon of control, and she's unsure if he'd be a good fit. And I was like, that was like a semester ago. Get over it, Marie. Oh, I was like, I was shaking. So I was like, oh, that's true. And uh, he's been at the school. That was literally before you, like, he was, like, made to have a magic teacher. He's clearly grown to them. I was mad about it. I was like, he's at the school to control his magic, and he's clearly done that. He has a teacher that you could ask if he's done better. He, we have tantamount evidence that he's been better. That was literally his first week at this school, and we're in like semester two, and or even further, I don't know. And you're harping on this incident that he had when he was new and didn't know what he was doing. I was mad. I was mad. I can see why that de- your all of your points make sense, but at the same time, we know as listeners that he's still rolling on like the wild magic table, and he, to a certain extent, doesn't have control of everything that he casts. Yeah. So, but even then, I don't know. I feel like I just feel like it's BS. <laughs> no, it's true because a lot of people fall into this like endless pit of constantly bringing up the past and not allowing mm-hmm. people to change. And ultimately, you're selling them and yourself short if you do that to somebody. So the fact that Marie won't let this go is problematic. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go on a rant now. Oh, here we go. I'm ready. But this is my biggest problem with, and God, I know how bad this sounds. Because anytime anyone says this, they are problematic. But I'm Mm -hmm. trying to come at this from an unproblematic place. But this is what I don't like about cancel culture in real life. Okay is it doesn't allow for people to grow. Ooh. Because you got to think about it. Like, look at, like, I'm going to use one of the most innocuous ones, which was the James Gunn situation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. James Gunn had tweets from years ago where he said some definitely problematic, definitely offensive things. But he had already apologized before it re-came to light. Mm -hmm. And he had apologized again. And he had a clear track record of not being that type of person anymore. Right. But regardless, cancel culture did what it did and they got him fired. Obviously, he landed on his feet at the end of the day, right? Because it is what it is. And again, I'm using one of the lighter situations. Obviously, this isn't one of the worst ones. Right. But what I hate about that is, so what? Is he not allowed to have grown since that situation occurred? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, 
he said problematic things eight years ago, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And since then, he's grown, realized that those things were wrong. Apologized. Apologized. And what? It's still not enough. So what cancel culture in that instance allows is either you might as well just keep being a terrible person because it doesn't matter if you grow. Mm-hmm. Or just hope that eventually people forget that you were canceled. Right? That's like true. Yeah. You can't like because I think back to my past and I think back to being a like it's, it's going to get even worse. And I think this is where we need to like control it is I think back to being in middle school and high school and I had social media mm-hmm. and I was a stupid boy that was like, you know, going through teenage hormones and thought being edgy was funny and said <laughs> problematic things. Yeah. And Everyone I'm not that, that person anymore. I've grown. I've learned. And, you know, I've become a better person. And I hate the idea that if I were to ever gain a modicum of success, someone could potentially go through and find a Facebook post where I said something offensive when I was, you know, in like eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And that could potentially be the end of a career for me because it's like, so what was I supposed to just keep being terrible because it doesn't matter if I grew? I don't know. That's a really big problem with social media is that we will never forget or we have the ability to go back and remember things where there are some things that people do that we should never get over, right? Like there are 100%. bigger problems. I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, you know, the bigger things, right? Like right. people who have hurt other, you know, it, once your statements, well, not even your statements, but like once your action starts hurting other people, once your actions, you know, take away someone else's ability to have their own voice mm-hmm. or anything like that, that there's not really a coming back from crimes, you know, like sexual assault and things like that. Right. And obviously there are people that, you know, did those things and then just never changed. They just learned how to keep it a secret. Yeah. I'm not even speaking about those people, but I I, I don't know. I think about it so often where these things do come out about this person where like seven years ago they were like, wouldn't it be funny if all babies were dead? Obviously, that's a very innocuous example. Well, I mean, Uh, yeah. And then people are like, well they're a baby killer and it's like well no i don't feel that way anymore i actually have a baby of my own and i realized maybe all babies shouldn't be dead and that was just me trying to get a reaction because i was you know young and dumb and everyone's like well sucks to be you no more job for you yeah i think there's a majority of people who have been canceled by society that deserve it did things that don't warrant an apology being enough Mm -hmm. but i think sometimes it's taken too far and i think in those instances where it's taken too far it diminishes the whole the whole process right right because now you are being so extremist about it that when you do it for a person that deserves it you've lost a lot of people's support that would have been there to aid you in taking this person that deserves it down that's true uh and rant (laughs) (laughs) climbing down off of your soapbox Climbing down off of my soapbox. After the Fearbook's unhelpful comment that they already are all aware that Fitz is a bad boy of magic. So Fitzroy says he cast Thunderwave that day on purpose, which is a lie. Mm. Uh, and that he was frustrated because he didn't think he needed the training and was embarrassed by his progress. So he cast a spell to assert himself. He admits that it wasn't a good move, but he would never cast a spell without having any control over it, which is a lie. That's the bigger lie. Yeah. That's the biggest lie. That's where that's where my brain was like, this is a deception roll. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Travis has him roll a deception and he gets a 22, which is super convincing enough to get Ramos on his side since she was there that day. Mm-hmm. The Commodore smiles and says that that coincides with the report they received from her centaur camp where he violently ripped off Calhane's hand and used his intimidation to cow the centaurs to get what he wanted. Argo pipes up. <sighs> 
and says he helped in that, but the Commodore reiterates that Fitz is the leader, to which Fitzroy agrees, saying leaders sometimes have to assert themselves, which Commodore should understand being a leader of the seas like he is. Oh my god! The Commodore counters by saying that being a leader is about showing restraint, to which Fitzroy says he's showing quite a bit right now. And I was like, damn! Ugh, the back and forth. Yeah, because bringing up the Calhane thing is like, ooh, like that is a great way of being like, you can't control yourself. But honestly, that was such an example in control because it was all so methodical. It was very methodical. It was barbaric, in my opinion. I think it was deserved. I mean, don't get me wrong. Calhane was an awful person. And I don't know if I would have done a single thing differently. I, I probably would have tried a few other things myself. But, Tell me what you would have tried elsewhere. Elsewhere. So, so you have to destroy the hand and the glove. It never made sense to me why the hand also had to be destroyed. But this is an established ca- canon fact that the hand had to be destroyed. Ugh. That's where you have to think about it is he had to destroy the hand. He did have to destroy the hand. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was one of the coolest scenes in the entire podcast, even though I was like, that is very gross and I'm disturbed. But I guess if you have to destroy the hand with it to destroy the magic, which again, just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either. But if that's the established canon we're working with, I think it was the right way to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, again, it was very gruesome, but I think it needed to be. I think he was sending a message to a person that was clearly trying to kill him. Yeah, it was true. Calhane went rogue and tried to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I don't think, I don't disagree that it was barbaric, but I honestly don't think I would have done anything differently in that situation as a player. That's fair. Obviously not as PJ. I, d- I don't have the strength to rip people's arms off. Well, if you had a, a really cool rogue friend who almost hacked the entire thing off for you, That's you true. probably could. You're a strong boy. Eh. <laughs> you're, you're a strong boy. I can carry things on my shoulder. That's about it. So all you have to do is just like, I don't know, grab the hand and then like <laughs> flip him over your shoulder. That's true. I mean, the momentum alone would probably rip it off at that point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like when you're like ripping off your teeth as a kid. Yeah. Oh God, I'm so glad I'm done with that stage of my oh, life. Oh God, just like having it hanging on by like a thread. Ugh. 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 Moving on. We move. We're moving on, and they also move on. <laughs> and the Commodore asks if any of the Unbroken Chain members want to speak on behalf of the boys. Jackal vouches for Argo, saying Argo is a good kid and has grown in his skills, and he reminds Jackal of Shabri, who was a valued member and friend of the members of the Unbroken Chain. Jackal, as I said earlier, recused himself from the tribunal because of his connection to Argo and Shabby. Mm-hmm. But he, too, brought his best friends onto the Unbroken Chain. Just oh. like Argo brought his friends here. He'd stake his membership on Argo belonging to this organization. And honestly, I just, I love the connection that Jackal and Argo have. I do, too. Jackal's, like, like that cool uncle that after, like, the parent dies in the movie has to, like, kind of take on a father figure. And at first yeah. it's very, like, hesitant, but by the end, like, they, like, love the kid. Yeah, he's very, like, surrogate father vibes for me, too, for Argo. And it's very sweet, and I'm here for it. <laughs> well, that beautiful moment is broken by Griffin wanting to initiate a staring contest with the Commodore. Because <laughs> he has really gotten Fitzroy's cackles up. Saber steps up and vouches for the Fearbolg, detailing that the Fearbolgs are committed to their principles and morals, are the epitome of restraint, and they emphasize the good of the many, just as the Unbroken Chain does. But then no one speaks up on behalf of Sir Fitzroy Maplecourt. Even after Fitz calls out a few teachers that worked with him directly. But honestly, he hasn't had 
a connection with any of the Unbroken Chain people. Like, obviously, if Festo was a member, I think Festo would stand up for him. Oh, I think so, too. But, I mean, it just happens that the Fearbulk has Sabor and Argo has Jackal, but no one else has really anyone else. Yeah, those are kind of um, the Fearbulk and Argo's mentors. Yeah. And, and Fitzroy's is just not here. Yeah, he's not part of the Broken Chain. Yeah. Argo, though, speaks up on Fitzroy's behalf, invoking his membership and inviting him as a member of the Unbroken Chain. Oh, my God. And then Fitzroy says he's inviting the Fearbulg. And I was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Right? I was like, that, that all tracks. That all works out. So game over. Yeah. I mean, I think they need to, like, be inducted. But, I mean, with Argo, there was no, like, acceptance or review process. You can invite anyone you want. Exactly. And if... There's just and- a, like, you know, you have to do the, like, oath of, you know, blood and bone, rain and stone or whatever. Not necessarily get a tattoo of it, but no, you do that have was, to... No, that's an Argo choice, <laughs> and it's a choice. It's a strong choice. But yeah, no, there was no trial. It was, do you want this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, thank you. Welcome. Argo offers a closing statement, uh, which the Commodore allows. Argo says he's inspired by his friends, Fitzroy and the Fearbulk, to say if the Unbroken Chain wants to take away their memories of the organization, he's willing to let that happen because they haven't shown any inclination to help them with the apocalyptic war. But he urges them to look into the war regardless of what happens because it's about so much more than this. Which, I agree, it's a phenomenal closing statement. Oh yeah, no, there's a... This is why Argo is in charge of communication. It's literally like, honestly, I don't know if I want to be a part of you guys based on the way you're handling this, but even if you do get rid of us, like, this is important. You idiots, why are we focusing on this right now? Yeah, there's other things, other... Bigger fish to fry. The Commodore draws the tribunal to a close, saying he knows how he feels and hands the floor over to Mosh. Mosh says he came into this prepared to keep Argo to allow the Fearbolt to join, but didn't want to invite Fitzroy. However, after seeing how far his friends are willing to go, he will accept membership to all three. Marie agrees, saying she sees three equals before her, who don't allow their past and their title to get in the way of their cohesion as a group. And I was like, oh, that's so I, true. And I love that. I know. At least. So I, we, I know how we felt about Marie earlier. Because she was hanging on to the past and that quote-unquote cancel culture. But she learned. Yeah. I think, yeah, moved on. Uh, The Commodore says that's not what he would do, but he is a minority and is a mere visitor to this chapter. So all three are now members of the Unbroken Chain. Yay! And then the boys celebrate for like a second before Fitzroy huddles with the other two Thundermen, telling them he wants to go after the Commodore. But he looks to Argo for permission. Which I liked. Yeah, I love that he was like, hey, like, I want to do this, but like, this is your fish to fry, and I don't want to be the one to throw him in the oil if you don't want me to. Yeah, it was a really nice move. Argo is very moved, and he says he will 100% back him on whatever he wants to do. So Fitzroy asks for the Fearbulg's emotional support, which the Fearbulg gives. <laughs> the Commodore pulls them back, saying they have another matter to discuss the so called war. Fitzroy asks if they can add to the agenda now that they are members, which the Commodore says, uh, sure, why not? And Fitzroy asks Jackal what you have to do to have a tribunal called against someone. Jackal says they have to bring the issue up to a senior member who would then call a tribunal. Fitzroy asks what if one of the members of the Unbroken Chain was responsible for the death of another, and Jackal agrees that would qualify for one. So Fitzroy then calls for a tribunal against the Commodore on these grounds. When Jackal asks what they're getting at, Argo admits that the Commodore was one who set up the ambush that got Shabri killed. He betrayed her, and so he's responsible for her death. Oh my god, I was like, oh my god, it's happening. Oh my god, it's already happening. <laughs> I did not expect this 
to happen so fast and oh, it's within God. the same episode as and it's like a I, tribunal. I, I, and I think in any other reality, this is the end of the episode right here. But it's not. We just have the entire rest of it to still go. <laughs> I know. We have not only the boys' tribunal, but now this other surprise tribunal to yeah. go through. I'm so glad they didn't cut it off here because yeah. I would have been big mad. As Argo gives his accusations, the Commodore stands sputtering, but the Jackal turns on him, stretching up to his full height, which we've never seen before because he always moves through trying to be as stealthily and unretrusive as possible, which unrelated, Travis loves using the like stands to their full height for the first time as like a dramatic moment, mm-hmm. which I'm not against at all, but I, it's like the like it's not the first time he's used that to like send a drama down a spine, you know? <laughs> and Jackal calls a tribunal against the Commodore as a senior member of the Unbroken Chain. The Commodore moves toward Argo, saying he'll crush him, but Ramos steps between them and, you know, she's a Goliath, yeah. and demands he returns to his seat. He's about to put up a fight, but realizes everyone is staring at him. So he moves to sit down again, but Mosh in- instructs him to sit in Fitzroy's chair instead. Ooh, man. And I was, I was like, this should be an open and shut case with how aggressively the Commodore just came at Argo. Obviously, this isn't a trial, but if it was, he would be held in, a, in contempt. Right? I was like, he literally was physically making his way to Argo, verbally threatening him. Yeah. It should be over. Travis has a fear bug make a perception check and gets a 25. He sees a special cat winding through the feet of everyone as it nuzzles against his legs. It's the same cat they've seen in their dorm. So the fear bug cats speak with animals, uh, saying he is the chosen one who can speak with them. Uh, he asks the cat what it's doing there, and the cat asks for a treat. And the fear bug gets at some of Argo's fish jerky, and Travis asks what Justin wants with the kitty, and Justin says he doesn't know. So we right? kind of just go back to the second tribunal of the day. We do, because Travis was the one who's like, Fearbolg, make a perception check. Look, it's a cat. What do you want to do with it? Justin's like, I don't know. You made me notice the cat. What do you want me to do with it? I think, I mean, I know where he was going with him, right? He's like, he wants him to be like, cat, go tell Higglemiss about what's happening. Oh, that's right. Because Higglemiss yeah. is in control of these cats. Well, exactly. as in control as you can be of cats. Oh, okay. And I've definitely been there as a DM where I've placed something in front of my players and they just weren't getting the hint. I was like, ah, ah, and everyone's like, yep, no idea what you want me to do here. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just move on. And my head, I was like, all right, well, I was trying to give you the world and I guess you'll just go through the dungeon without it. Oh my God, you're so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back to the second tribunal of the day. The Commodore sitting in front of Marie, Mosh, and Ramos. Jackal, once again, is too invested in this to be an impartial judge. Mosh asks for the Commodore to explain about his involvement in the death of Shabri. He says he had nothing to do with it. It was an ambush, but they had no idea it was going to happen. Mosh then turns to Argo, asking what evidence he has to support his claim. There's a bit of a, like, Legally Blonde moment where Argo waffles with awkward questions, which, unrelated, Legally Blonde is, I think, one of my... what It's definitely, like, my, like, top 20 movies of all time. Mmm, 100. I agree. And it's definitely one of my top favorite legal movies of all time. Oh, yeah. There's so many legal movies, but that one is... It's so good. So Have good. you seen Legally Blonde the musical? Uh, yes. Uh, Blood in the Water was in my top played songs in like 2017 or 18. Really? Blood in the Water? Blood in the Water is like my, my jam. Is I it- mean, also, Oh My God, You Guys is like a bop, but mm-hmm. Blood in the Water is one of my favorites. Oh, man. I also love, um, I mean, Sirius is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Gay or European. <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean yeah it's a solid solid musical i love Ugh. all things legally blonde i love that there's a potential for a legally blonde three with reese yeah 
I have never seen Legally Blonde 2. Oh, it's good. It's good. Okay. Or the one where there was the two blondes. Uh, don't worry about Legally Blondes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Commodore's not really ever painted into a corner to confess. So Travis brings a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons back into it, as he says. Uh, so he makes Argo roll insight. Based on the fact that he's had 20 years to think about his mother's death, he does have advantage because of the monocle of misdirection, uh, which props to Clint for remembering an item. I was so proud of him. Again, we say, I feel like we say it every episode where magic items are involved, but like these boys forget about cool items all the time. Yeah, like what happened to Hawksquire? Hawksquire. Oh my god, Hawksquire. Hawksquire Leon. Where is Hawksquire Leon? And we were even like so intent, like, please don't forget about this Griffin. And he forgot about it. God, it's almost like he doesn't listen to our podcast. <laughs> almost. Com- it's like, you know, it's almost like he doesn't listen to our podcast and like we recorded after these episodes already came out. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I'm so mad at them. <laughs> We begged and pleaded. (laughs) Argo pieces together that the Commodore was jealous because Shabri was better than him. The crew liked her better, and it's a fair guess that that his higher-ups liked her too. So the Commodore felt threatened, which, of course, it's a man being threatened by a strong woman. Of course. And And as we've seen, when he's cornered, he gets angry, and he would be willing to kill to protect himself. Argo rolls deception and says he knows that the Commodore wanted her to fail and that he has a letter from his mother. Expressing, and I was like, oh, the lie. This is such a good lie. I know. I was like, wow, that's such a good lie. But then Justin came in and was like, wow, you not only did a really good lie, you also told them you have physical proof somewhere. Yeah, that's like take, maybe taking the lie a little too far. I know. I was like, like oh. I've seen a letter is great. I have the letter. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, he expresses concerns that the Commodore felt threatened by her success and that he had made open threats to her, that he would do anything to keep his position, and that he's a coward and had hidden behind the accomplishments of those around him rather than getting the success on his own merit. And I was like, damn, what a burn. Oh, right. But then the Commodore claims Argo is lying and that he's the greatest naval hero that has ever existed and he's never made any threats against Shabri. Then the Jackal says that Argo isn't lying because he's seen the letter. Ah! And I was like, Jackal, 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 Jackal the Jackal Rodriguez. <laughs> Jackal the Jackal Rodriguez, my boy, oh my came God. through. I was screaming. The Commodore then claims that everything they've said now is a lie, which outside of the letter isn't true, but the letter is the biggest lie, and he's not wrong. Yeah, no, the letter 100% is a lie. Everything else is true. And he says that the Demon War is a lie, and I was like, mm, sus. Very sus. But then Mosh says that the Commodore needs to go with them, and Crabtree, and Crabtree steps forward with manacles. <laughs> and then the Commodore reaches into his coat and pulls out a vial with yeah. dark, inky, smoky liquid, which he raises and says if anyone steps closer to him, He'll smash it on the ground and everyone will be dead. And I was like, he oh is working for Gray. We knew this, but he is working for Gray. Yeah, right. I was like, okay, so Gray brought him in. Gray hired him and had him come in, like, teach classes, whatever. But this is, like, proof. Fitzroy, genius move, cast hold person. Yeah. And he uses his metamagic to hide in the spell to give the Commodore disadvantage. Yes! Uh, which makes him freeze in place. Oh, thank God. The unbroken chain steps forward to grab the vial, but the Commodore whispers some word. And a doorway appears out of nowhere, and Gray steps out and says, You called? Oh my 
God. Oh, my God. Oh, buddy, what an episode. Ugh. So this was already like high intensity with the tribunal and like, will the boys lose their memories and stuff? And then we had the whole Fitzroy calling the Commodore to another tribunal and then Gray appears. Oh my God. I, it was, it was just a wild, wild ride. I literally, we got so much this episode. And again, I feel like there is another world where this is like two episodes. And I don't know if I could have handled that. I No, I 100% could not have handled this being the boys' tribunal and then the Commodores' tribunal. It was a roller coaster. Ugh. It was beautifully played by everybody, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone stayed on that yes and mentality where not only did the boys play along with the tribunal, but then when Fitzroy went balls to the wall and I want to do this to the Commodore, Travis was like, Okay, yeah, let's do it. So it was beautiful. Uh, 100%. Amazing. Love, love, love it. And we end with still a hell of a cliffhanger, even after all of that. Yes. But we'll have to wait to see how that gets resolved with Gray showing up in the Unbroken Chain. I mean, don't think it's going to be hard to convince him to join the war effort against him now. I, I would hope not. But we'll have to wait and see. But until we find out, I've been PJ. I have been Lauren. And we'll see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz. Uh